Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. I wanted to talk a little bit about my reflections after the public impeachment hearings that occurred. And I know a lot of people are going to have different takeaways on the evidence and the witness testimony. I'm looking more at this from the 30,000-foot level, the 30,000-foot view, the big picture. I tend to see things a little bit differently than what I hear reported on the news, and this case is no different. To me, each of the Democrats' witnesses that testified over the two-week period seemed to be well-intentioned and hardworking, and they seem to genuinely believe they know what's best. But I think a picture emerged of U.S. diplomats who also seem to believe that they, rather than the U.S. president, have the ultimate authority to determine our foreign policy. And if the president doesn't go along well, in their view, he clearly must be wrong, or even worse, he's a traitor. He's to be obstructed or taken down. In an odd turnabout, I think they actually made the case for President Trump's mantra that we need to drain the swamp. First, we can look at the language that witnesses used as they vented about Trump's tutelage in ways that veered far from the relevance of the impeachment allegations. They talked about hurt feelings, bruised egos, and strong differences of opinion. And sometimes the testimony sounded a little bit like a human resources conference or a psychotherapy session. For example, the diplomats testified they were shocked and devastated to learn that Trump and Ukraine's new president didn't have faith in them. They complained that under Trump, quote, foreign service professionals are being denigrated and undermined. They complained that the State Department isn't getting the, quote, attention and respect that it deserves under President Trump. They expressed, quote, disappointment that Trump had the nerve to defy the federal agencies by not discussing what they called any of our interagency agreed-upon talking points in President Trump's first call with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky. They talked about being embarrassed in front of Ukrainians when they didn't have answers about U.S. policy because President Trump wasn't thinking along the same lines that they were or that past presidents had. Former Ambassador William Taylor called the team that Trump relied on the irregular channel Taylor was among those who described feeling excluded or left out. So did former National Security Council official Fiona Hill. So did diplomat George Kent. So did Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vidman. Vidman, by the way, is the U.S. National Security Advisor who oddly confirmed under oath at these hearings that he'd been repeatedly approached and offered the job of defense minister in Ukraine earlier this year. He talked about it a little bit under questioning from Republicans, and then Democrats followed up and implied that if anybody had more questions about Vindman being offered a job as a foreign defense minister, 
while serving as a U.S. national security advisor that anybody who had questions about that was unfairly trying to question his patriotism. Anyway, it was hard not to notice that virtually the entire U.S. diplomatic staff never spoke in these impeachment hearings about their job of executing U.S. foreign policy as determined by the President of the United States. The President is the man in charge, according to the Constitution, of foreign policy. He can appoint Rudy Giuliani. He can appoint private citizens. He can appoint diplomats. He can appoint anybody he wants to, under the way diplomacy works and under our Constitution, to implement his foreign policy. But clearly, these diplomats were not used to that happening, and it rubbed them the wrong way. They didn't like it at all. And they talked about it as if this itself was part of an impeachable offense, that President Trump was using representatives he chose to advocate for certain foreign policies, when in fact, that's well within his right and authority to do. Listening to these witnesses, these diplomats, they spoke as if their primary mission was to advocate for Ukraine and advocate for its new unproven president, whom President Trump was sizing up. They talked about protecting long-standing or official U.S. policy, even when it was against Trump's wishes. When President Trump differed with their assessments and relied instead on his chosen advisor, his personal attorney, Giuliani, they collectively lost their minds. Now, mind you, let me reiterate, there is nothing improper about the president appointing anybody he wants to to handle his foreign policy in any way he wishes. Now, there's something else I noticed that I thought was strange. These diplomats, these witnesses, as they testified, seemed as though they'd been determined to prevent at any cost President Zelensky of Ukraine from making a real commitment to investigate corruption, even when it allegedly involved U.S. tax money, U.S. elections, and or U.S. political figures. It's strange because that seemed at odds with their very own admissions that corruption is a major problem in Ukraine and that a corruption probe into the Ukrainian company Burisma had been stopped inappropriately in midstream in 2014, they testified to this, just before the company hired then-Vice President Joe Biden's son, a hire that they acknowledged raised broad concerns about the appearance of a possible conflict of interest. And then these diplomats further testified that Ukraine should resume its investigation into Burisma, the one that was inappropriately stopped midstream. These are the things that President Trump was calling for. So on the one hand, the diplomats, when asked, are acting as though all of these requests were perfectly appropriate, if not necessary. But on the other hand, they're calling them inappropriate because they're claiming that they were politically motivated requests because they were connected to the Bidens and President Trump is running against Joe Biden in 2020. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Stranger still, I think, these diplomats said that they judged President Trump's motivations to be purely political, despite the fact that most had neither met nor spoken to him ever. 
They also closed their minds to the notion of possible Ukrainian interference in U.S. elections in 2016, just closed their mind off, calling it a debunked conspiracy theory, which it's not, and they dismissed Trump's concerns about it while acknowledging under questioning that they didn't have full information about it. And none had personally investigated allegations that Ukraine interfered. But there they were, one right after the other, using the same language, talking about it being a debunked conspiracy theory. Also strange, I think, since Democrats are among those who've long pressed President Trump to pledge to get to the bottom of foreign interference in 2016. They've claimed he'll be to blame if it happens again in 2020. But here when he's reaching out to Ukraine and talking about them possibly getting to the bottom of anything that happened in 2016, these diplomats and these Democrats, well, now they don't want that to happen. I think it was pretty startling to hear Ambassador Taylor testify he hadn't even been aware of allegations that a Democratic National Committee consultant, a DNC consultant, had worked with the Ukrainian embassy, among others, to undermine Trump's candidacy in 2016. Now, that was reported in a now-famous article by Politico in 2017, not noticed too much at the time, but Politico and other news outlets even had interviews with the Democratic National Committee consultant, a Ukrainian-American named Alexandra Chalupa, who acknowledged she was doing this work. So one would think Taylor would at least be aware of an international news story that directly involved his area of responsibility as an ambassador. And what would be the harm in an investigation if the President of the United States and others argue that it's warranted? I mean, if there's nothing to find, the Ukrainians would investigate and presumably turn up nothing and put to rest any concerns. Why not have the investigation? Why work at all costs to stop it? I would also note something else I think is very important that seemed to go fairly unnoticed. These diplomats testified under oath that they actively worked against what they believed the wishes of the President of the United States to be. Here's one big example. The diplomats said that it was their understanding that President Trump wanted the new President of Ukraine to go on CNN and commit to an investigation into corruption to publicly commit so that it would hold his feet to the fire because the diplomats said President Trump understood sometimes commitments to investigate corruption were made in Ukraine but never followed through on, so perhaps a public statement would make it more likely the investigation would actually happen. In any event, the same diplomats who said this was their understanding, this was President Trump's foreign policy decision, decision he's entitled to make under the U.S. Constitution, But they said they did not want Ukraine's president to give that interview to CNN to promise the investigation, and that, in the case of Ambassador Taylor, he testified he sought assurances from President Zelensky that he would not do that interview on CNN and would not make that statement. This is in direct opposition to what Ambassador Taylor said he understood the president's wishes to be. I don't think that's allowed under our hierarchy and under our Constitution that a diplomat can understand the foreign policy wishes of the President of the United States and intervene behind his back to make sure the thing didn't happen? Here's another example. The diplomats testified that they assured the new President of Ukraine that, quote, President Trump was on his side, when they also testified they didn't believe that was the case. In fact, they were trying to convince Trump to be on the Ukrainian President's side. 
I would think it could be seen as less than honest and contrary to the president's wishes to be telling the president of Ukraine something that didn't reflect President Trump's feelings or beliefs or necessarily what he even wanted conveyed. Do these diplomats have the authority to freelance and make representations that aren't true, that aren't in line with the president's views? There was so much contradictory testimony in my mind. On the one hand, the diplomats repeatedly said they concluded that President Trump was acting in his own political interest to investigate a political rival for 2020, and they'd never spoken to the president or met the president, but claimed to know exactly what was in his mind, what his intentions were. But the whole notion was contradicted by other testimony. For example, the diplomats kept saying that they simply wanted to get the new president of Ukraine in the same room with President Trump, because then they thought the two men would like each other, President Trump's suspicions or concerns would be alleviated, and all would be well. But if President Trump's motivations were rooted in political interest, that there had to be an investigation of his political rival, Joe Biden, why would getting the president of Ukraine in the same room with President Trump fix everything? Those two things contradict one another. Now back to the matter of who calls the shots and who's in charge. I think the diplomats pretty much think they call the shots and they're in charge. At each step, they spoke with determined confidence about the path the U.S. must take with Ukraine or else. I don't know if you noticed or watched the hearing, but they expressed no room for discussion, no room for differences of opinion, even when those opinions come from the president. He is to be convinced in their view not to be listened to. The president, to the extent his opinion differs with the longstanding diplomats, the president is wrong. The president is to be convinced otherwise or undermined behind his back. He's not to be directing foreign policy, as the Constitution says. He's to be brought into line with the diplomats' view. Now, maybe they are correct on what they think is the right thing to be done. Maybe their instant snapshot of the new president of Ukraine was correct, that he was really going to come in and change corruption and was the best hope for a better country. But maybe they're not right. They're not infallible. I mean, in 2015, Fiona Hill, one of the diplomats who testified, co-authored an opinion editorial against the U.S. providing lethal weapon assistance to Ukraine, only to later decide she'd been completely wrong about that. Some of the same diplomats who testified never saw Russian interference coming under the Obama administration in 2016, but today believe themselves to be unequivocal experts on all such matters. After listening to the hearing and the testimony, one can begin to understand why President Trump might have worried that his diplomatic and national security corps were not only refusing to execute his wishes, but also actively working behind his back to undermine them. One could begin to understand why he felt the need to appoint people that he trusted more, people he thought would actually execute his foreign policy, not try to work against his purposes. Whatever else politicians and ordinary Americans conclude that the public impeachment hearings have revealed, I think they've exposed diplomats substituting their own opinions, judgments, and agendas for that of the elected president. In the end, the hearings provided an accidental forum in which establishment bureaucrats showed America that they think they run the show. (music) 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, pass it along to your friends, and also listen to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast if you like these sorts of original reflections and reporting. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.